Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. Week one coming up. Titans at Denver Monday night. Yes, I'm going. No, I don't know if it's going to be worth it from a coverage perspective, but I, I want to give it a try. I want to make it worth it. I want to be there to set the scene for you. Um, I'm hoping that uh, I'll, I'll get enough out of it that it'll, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to differentiate myself from most of the coverage you're going to see. Uh, for my members, I'll do a Periscope after the game. Um, I think if you're staying up late, I could turn it around relatively quickly. I don't know how long the Zooms will take. We'll cover that later. Um, this is a spot for me to cover some things I'm not going to get to elsewhere that I still think that you would be curious about. And I wanted to start with Jadavian Clowney, obviously the biggest story of the week leading into the game with the late signing of the outside linebacker slash defensive end, who's going to be a real chess piece for the Titans moving around on the defensive front. I think when you look back to what Mike Vrabel said, when he landed in Tennessee to become the head coach, he talked right away about front multiplicity and coverage consistency. And there may be no better front multiplicity guy in the league than Jadevian Clowney, though you'd like him to be more of a sack guy in terms of getting to the quarterback. Disruptive, disruptive, disruptive is the word that we hear over and over about him. And the Titans can move him all over the place. I don't know if we'll see that to the extent that we're going to see it on Monday night, but he's going to play. I imagine they'll move him around because they want to complicate things for Drew Locke and, uh, and, and for Denver's uh, offensive line, which is not a great group. Um, the, the one most interesting nugget I have on Jadavian Clowney, and we talked to Danny Arnold of Plex, which is, is where Jadavian Clowney spent his offseason training. We talked to Danny Arnold on the Midday 180, and he talked about really working on Clowney's bend. He talked about the need to get Clowney more sacks. Um, he talked, frankly, about more sacks, meaning more money. Um, and that's life in the National Football League. Disruptors get a certain uh, fee, and sackers get a higher fee. And obviously, Jadavian Clowney was holding out for a long time, hoping to get more than he got from the Titans, which is an $11.5 million deal that could be worth as much as $15 million. To get more sacks, he needs to bend better. And they worked on things that will help him bend better. And Clowney, when I asked him about this, said he, he you know, he's working on staying healthy and taking what he learned with Arnold off the uh, off, off of these practice settings and onto the field. Now he can match up with anybody. He can do anything he's asked to do. And so this is one of the big things. First, I want to see where and how Clowney's lining up. Second, I want to see if we can notice this bend, this cornering, which is uh, a little bit funny because the one thing that Harold Landry definitely has, and the one thing that Vic Beasley, if he's out there, and I don't know that he will be Monday, definitely has, is the bend. They lack all the other stuff. Clowney has a lot of the other stuff and not necessarily the bend. Maybe you put it all together, throw it in a blender, and the Titans come out with their best defensive front in some time. I know that's the hope. Staying on the defensive line, Jarrell Casey going for the first time 
against the team that traded him away. I know there's a lot of feeling out there that Casey was somehow mistreated by the Titans being dealt for a seventh rounder. I don't know that you measure Casey's value to the Titans based on what they were able to get for him in a trade when he had an expensive contract, when he's getting older. Um, and the fact of the matter is the Titans treated Jarrell Casey very well. He got two big contracts, both ahead of schedule from the Titans. And in trading him for a seventh rounder, rather than releasing him, which they weren't that far away from doing, if you think of what they got for him, they preserved an $11 million base salary for him this season. If he had hit the market as a, as a, a cut player, he would have gotten nowhere near $11 million in a new contract. Jarrell Casey was angry when he talked about the Titans in the offseason. He hadn't yet settled in Denver. He hadn't yet settled in with the Broncos. I'm sure there's still some hard feelings, though I'm sure he feels a lot better now having settled in into Denver. Um, and, you know, he's giving the, the Broncos every tip he can as does every guy who played for a long time with one team and then plays against that team. Those things tend to be overrated, but um, you know, in, in the long run, I'm sure that he's going to see that the Titans ultimately treated him pretty well. He's going to be a handful handful for the Titans interior um, Ben Jones and, and Nate Davis and Roger Saffold to probably go away from Saffold as much as possible. Um, Derek Henry said that Casey's like a brother to him and a destructive player. It's interesting that the word destructive surfaced this week, talking about Casey while disruptive, disruptive, disruptive is the word that we heard over and over about Clowney. It will be interesting to see who does more damage and has more effect in the trenches. Um, Casey loses out because Von Miller, not just in this game, but over the course of the season, because Von Miller's gone, not drawing uh, the attention that he would typically be drawing. And because Chubb is coming off uh, his knee injury from last year and won't be all the way back. We don't know what they'll get out of him, the Broncos, but it won't be everything they would usually get out of him. Some other notes, Mike Vrabel um, said that playing last this weekend, he will have a chance to learn from, uh, from what he saw on Thursday night when the Chiefs beat up on the, on the Texans, which was a relatively clean game, a pretty clean game, but also from Sunday's full slate. Um, if there's something to be learned by officiating trends with points of emphasis, if there's any kind of trend with block punts or tackling, Vrabel will be able to show the Titans this on Monday uh, and incorporate those tips into, you know, the, the plan of attack Monday night, not some big overhaul of anything, but, but, but say, Hey, look at this stuff. This is the way things are going in this category. Let's be conscious of that, um, tonight in the altitude in Denver. And I, I, I think that's interesting. Um, I want to talk about Coy Davis a little bit, Coy Davis as we know, has has not had the wide receiver production you would expect from a guy drafted fifth overall. But that does not make him a bad player. I've said time and time again, I think the guy can have a 12-year career. He's a passable 
better than passable number two receiver, depending on how much you throw to him. The Titans don't target him very often. They're going to run the ball a lot. They have to get the ball to A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith, Adam Humphreys, Darrington Evans now. So he's not going to be targeted a ton. The guy's a phenomenal blocker, though. Um, you know, and he talked about starting at Western Michigan, his blocking mentality. Like, I mean, even in college, I was always willing to, to block, um, come down in there and, and get thick whenever I need to, you know, because I know it helps the team up. And, you know, blocking is, is literally all effort. Um, and you got to be willing to go down in there and, and give it up for the team. I mean, it's not like I <clears throat> necessarily love to go out in there and block, but it's what helps the team. And it's not always going to be about me. Um, you know, we got great backs um, who who are great in the open field. Um, so anything that we can do as receivers to kind of help them, um, you know, take a few hits off. So that's a pretty unselfish take. Take a few hits off other people on the team by blocking. And I love there that he said he doesn't love it. I like, you know, I'm good at it and I do it as much as I need to do it happily for the sake of the good of the team. But that doesn't mean I love it. Uh, I like that from Corey Davis. I like that kind of candor. Greg Cosell on the Midday 180, you know, says, talks about blocking in the run game being all about angles, particularly on stuff close to the line of scrimmage, these pin and pull plays where, where a receiver really just has to get in the way of a, of a bigger guy while the offensive linemen swing out and block the smaller guys it's about effort and desire and Corey Davis has that effort and desire everybody does really and that's what makes Derek Henry work on the second level for sure and and the third level for sure that's something to continue to watch sticking with wide receiver um, and at cornerback this is the biggest position these are the biggest positions of depth issues for the Titans. They're simply not deep enough here um, on the depth chart. Kareem, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Khalif Raymond as the fourth wide receiver. I like him as a four. I don't like him moving up as a three if somebody gets hurt. Um, and then Cody Hollister as a five. I, I don't see him making a lot of plays for you. He can block. Uh, maybe he'll make a catch here or there, but that depth is an issue. And I think cornerback depth is an issue. Um, Jonathan Joseph's not fast enough. Now he can be, he can cleverly position himself um, and, and will need to, if he's out on the field and behind him, you have a, a seventh round draft pick um, and a seventh round draft pick who hasn't played yet in the league is a little bit of a concern for me. I don't know that you're going to have him on the field very often, uh, but if you need to call on Chris Jackson, Kevin Byard rated him as having, you know, one of the best camps out there. I believe it was Byard. Um, that's asking a lot. And then on the practice squad, the depth there is Kareem Orr, who's been around for a while, but hasn't broken through at corner. And Nick Westbrook, who, who sometimes is Westbrook, um, Ikini, 
Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. I-K-H-I-N-E. Sometimes he's listed with that hyphenated last name and sometimes he's not. He dropped a lot of balls during training camp and I'm unsure how he was the guy to emerge to get the um, the wide receiver position on the practice squad. Depth issues there. And my prediction here is that Hollister will not be on this team for very long. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be Westbrook, however, who replaces him. So uh, keep your eye on transactions at wide receiver um, in the long run. The back end of wide receiver is a spot here. Now, it's obviously a good thing that we're talking about the very last spots at wide receiver, at cornerback. Certainly, we've talked about Logan Woodside as as the backup quarterback. Uh, Trevor Simeon is the practice squad quarterback. These are not the conversations we've had about the Titans in recent years in terms of the prominent concerns. That's why I could see this team going to the Super Bowl. I picked it to go to the Super Bowl. It's just a prediction. But um, I think it's hard for the Chiefs to repeat. Nobody's repeated since uh, 04, 05 Patriots. And I think Baltimore made... A, a lot of nice moves. I like Dobbins. Um, they've made good moves on, on defense. Calais, Calais Campbell's an unbelievable addition. But I just have trouble with Lamar Jackson and the way the Titans deconstructed that team in the playoffs. I have trouble seeing the, the Ravens figuring out a way to advance. And the third team that I have in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. So I don't think it's that much of a long shot for them to go to the Super Bowl, another step up on, on last year. I don't have them winning it, but hey, it's just a prediction. Quick word about sponsorship here. I don't have a sponsor for these podcasts. Um, it's been a tough time, COVID on beer. Um, so if you're interested in that, I would I would love to talk to you about it. I do have a travel sponsor, Tennessee Heating and Cooling. Uh, I would encourage you if and when you're checking on your heating system as we head into the fall to consider them 24 hour service if you have an emergency. But if you just want to check up and to make sure your systems are or in are in order um, at your place of business or at your home, Tennessee Heating and Cooling 931-614-0999. That's 931-614-0999. I'm going on the road. Thanks to Tennessee heating and cooling. I hope you'll consider them for your business when it comes time that you need somebody in that line of work. And uh, I hope if you're considering attaching yourself to something Titans related, whether it be this podcast or whether it be my frequent Periscope and Facebook lives that you'd reach out pkuharski at gmail.com. Um, I'd, I'd love to talk with you um, about it. And if you're not a member of the site, $5.99 a month, uh, and I'll go put a 25% sale right now until kickoff of the Denver game on a, a season-long um, membership. So um, you get a lot for that price. I wanted to finish up with some numbers here um, as I was doing on these last year, and they seemed pretty popular. I've got three numbers, one Titans, one Broncos, and one that combines the two. Derrick Henry in his career, 
averages 4.6 yards a carry when the Titans are trailing. He averages 5.8 yards a carry when the Titans are leading. That stat comes courtesy of Evan Silva at Establish the Run. He does weekly matchup columns, fantasy-based, that are extraordinary. I urge you to go check him out and certainly follow him on Twitter, Evan Silva. Um, these other two are from Inside Edge, uh, which is my primary game-by-game stat service. Denver running backs have one fumble on 714 carries since 2018. One fumble on 714 carries since 2018. That's the second best in the league. The Titans, meanwhile, are 12-2 and over that same span of time when they force at least one fumble. 12-2 and since 2018 when they force at least one fumble. And Cortland Sutton, who we know has got a bit of a shoulder problem. We don't know what effect that's going to have on him or his availability for Monday night. He broke 12 tackles last season, the most for an NFL wide receiver. A.J. Brown was tied for third with nine. Cortland Sutton broke 12 tackles last season, the most for a wide receiver. A.J. Brown tied for third with nine. I know it's going to be strange. Uh, I know not many of you, not any of you are going to Denver because there are no tickets to be had and nobody's going to be in the building and you're not going to pack the bars there to pregame and ramp up. Um, I feel a little weird about going and I I don't really know what to expect. But uh, as I said earlier, I promise to illustrate it uh, the very best way I can for you. Um, and so I will talk to you, write for you, uh, Periscope to you from Denver. Um, I look forward to getting this thing started. I appreciate all your support. I hope some of you will join the club and um, have fun watching an NFL weekend that closes with the Titans finally getting started. This has been the Paul Kuharski podcast connected to paulkuharski.com. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>